Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler, the pastor of Faith Christian Center. Thanks for tuning in today. We believe today's message is going to help you live this lifestyle of faith. It's going to empower you to live a life that makes Jesus famous wherever you go. Open up your heart. We know God has something special just for you. And we believe that as you listen to today's message, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up. I'll talk to you today at the end of our broadcast. And enough knowledge about God to say thank you. And he says, your faith has made you whole. Everybody else was healed and cleansed, but the one who had gratitude was made whole. Because you have to think as a leper, how many things have you lost in your life because of disease? Because you've been castigated from society. All the things you may have lost in your life, those other nine didn't get it back. They were healed. They were no longer lepers, but this one was made whole. Lack of gratitude can keep you from receiving everything God has for you. And you might say, well, I don't have everything that I want. Well, at least you have what you have now. You are breathing. That's enough to say thank you. You've been washing the blood. You ain't going to hell. That's enough to say thank you. He gave you his Holy Spirit. That's enough to say thank you. You have a reason every day to start your day with thank you. Why? You started the day. You need to start with a thank you. You know, one of the things, so my youngest decided that they wanted to wake up right before 1 a.m. last night. Right as I was about to go to bed, that's when she decided to wake up. So I thought we could rock her back to sleep and whatever. didn't work. Long story short, she didn't go to bed at 5 a.m. Five. So, you know, I was like, well, if you're going to be up, all right, we have our 1 a.m. snack and Let's do this. Oh, let's watch, you know, X-Men, the animated series, and let's watch some Mickey Mouse and, and some Daniel Tiger. All righty, now everybody's asleep. And so when I had my prayer time, about three and a half hours later, what I started with, Father, thank you that I could even stay up with my baby. Thank you that I have a baby. Instead of going a plane like, oh, I'm tired. I only slept three and a half hours last night. No. Thank you that those are actually a reason. You may not like all the things you're going through, but thank God you're here. It's like, well, my husband, my wife's not doing what I want to do. Well, thank God you got one. Well, my kid didn't get all A's. Well, thank God they got one. <laughs> Even if it's just attendance, because you made sure their tail was a class, thank God there was one. You have a reason to say thank you. Your lack of gratitude will keep you from receiving what the Holy Ghost has for you. So you need to be thankful. You need to be grateful. So now let's start with some new territory in 1 Samuel 30. We'll walk through the stories familiar to some people. 1 Samuel 30. For Samuel chapter 30. Start with verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Now, when we just read that, we go to the next verse, and we see what happens, but you might, well, why was Ziklag so important? 
Go back a few chapters to chapter 27. Let's look at chapter 27. Verse 1. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. So remember, the Philistines aren't friends of David. Remember, David killed their champion. David's been fighting Philistines for years now. But Saul has turned on him so he thinks it's a better option to go live with the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in the coast of Israel. So shall I escape out of his hand. And David arose, and he passed over with the six hundred men that were with him unto Achish, the son of Maok, the king of Gath. Who was from Gath? Anybody remember? Goliath. Do you really want to go to the hometown of the hero you kill with your own hands? So you got to think all the things that are going through David's mind right now, all the emotions he's going through. As you keep going, it says, And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, and every man with his household, and David with his two wives. And it was told Saul that David fled to Gath, and he sought him no more again for him. And David said unto Achish, If I have now found grace in your sight, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there, for why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? And Achish gave him Ziklag that day, wherefore Ziklag pertains to the kings of Judah unto this day. Think about that. Who gave David Ziklag? The enemy. Let that sink in. The ones you've been fighting for years, the ones who hate your guts, gave you a city. Talk about a miracle from God. It's not like they gave him some money, they gave him a city. Is it this whole area? It's yours. Not just while you're alive, but for everyone after you. This belongs to you. So you imagine what Ziklag means to David. It means while I'm running from someone who should have had my back, God looked out for me. That now I'm in a foreign place among people who were my enemies, but God has protected me and provided for me in such a way that I have a space to call my own. That God has given me something here that I even have back home. So now he has Ziklag. And so this is their base of operations. So they're going out and coming back. But one of the times when they come back, as they round that hill, as they come through the country, they see smoke in the distance. You know, if you see smoke in the distance, you might just think, well, maybe someone's, uh, there's a bonfire, someone's cooking something. When they get closer, that's too much smoke just for a bonfire. As they get close enough, they see the city on fire. So you know their minds are beginning to race. They're beginning to panic because they left all their family in Ziklag. Their wives were in Ziklag. All their kids were in Ziklag. All their stuff was in Ziklag. So while they see the city on fire, they are panicking and they are running. And they get to Ziklag. And they see that all the wives have been taken captive. They didn't kill anyone, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city. Behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. 
Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Wouldn't you? You come home and your home, this spot God made for you, this provision, this moment of favor in a time of distress is on fire. It's burning to the ground and your family is not there. Number one, you don't know who did it. Number two, you don't know your family's still alive. You just know they're not right here, but they could be anywhere else. So imagine all the emotions that are rushing through them right now. Because sometimes we just read Bible stories and we know the ending and we forget. These are people. They're not any more or less people than we are more or less people. Same emotions, same feelings, same thoughts, same attitudes. And they begin to weep so they get to a place where they have nothing else is coming out. They've cried and heaved to such a point that they're still weeping, but nothing's coming out anymore. And it wasn't just the people of the city. Even David's family was taken captive. And David was greatly distressed. Because on top of all of this, you think this is bad enough. For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters. Wait. So not only has everybody lost everything, in their grief, they're about to make a dangerous emotional decision. They are talking about this. People means it's more than one. So there's a group of people talking about, you know, with all this we just saw happen, let's kill David. So number one, how do you think David feels? He lost everything. Now the people who are supposed to have your back want to kill you. So, enemy number four is refusing to get out of your emotions. Refusing to get out of your feelings. How many people have missed restoration because they got caught up in their feelings? And these people would miss what God had for them next. But before we even get there, you would think that if they think about killing David, they must have a better plan. No, no, no. These people, before they met David, weren't doing that well. How do you know that? Go back to chapter 27. Chapter 27. Go to chapter 27. Notice what it says here. Actually, let's go back to chapter 22. Verse 1. David departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him, and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them, and they were with him about 400 men. That's not how you want to start an army. All the people who had nothing else better to do, all the people who were distressed and dismayed and beat down by life and owe people money. See, you know, people say, you know, I'm going to go with David because someone's searching for me. The collectors are calling, but they can't find me if I'm in a cave with David. Everybody who's discontent, 
Those are the people who went to David. But as you read the story that these became known as David's mighty men, their lives began to transform because they got connected to the anointing that was on David's life. You keep reading that these guys didn't end up in debt. These dudes ended up rich, like millionaire status. Like these people would do mighty feats eventually just like David did. David wasn't the only giant killer. There were other giant killers in that group. There were other people who just took on lions that he's walking by, and I guess he's having a bad day, and he sees a lion in a snowy pit. He's like, well, I'll handle the lion. And he jumps down there and kills the lion with the bare hands and walks away. These ended up being some super bad dudes. But when they came to David, they had nothing going for them. But now, by the time you get to chapter 30, they have experienced some life transformation. They're on the process to becoming these mighty men. They might not even know where they're headed. But they could miss their future by staling their feelings. They didn't know that eventually David would be king. They didn't understand that eventually that God would use David to fund the temple that Solomon would build. They didn't understand all the things God had in future for them if they would just keep going forward. But they could have missed it all making an emotional decision in a time of grief. They are right to be grieving. They're right to be upset. There's nothing wrong with them being upset. But because if they make a decision to stay in their emotions, they will miss what God has for them. So enemy number four, restoration is refusing to get out of your feelings. If you're going to get restoration, you have to get out of your feelings. Feelings cannot be your guide. You must be led by the word of God and the spirit of God. But if you don't get your emotions in check and allow toxic emotions to to develop, and you start listening to your emotions, they'll sound like the Holy Ghost. And you'll begin to say, well, God told me it wasn't God telling telling you anything. It was your bitterness that you refused to deal with. And you'll miss what God has for you. You have to make a decision. I'm not going to let my feelings direct my life. God gave you emotions for a reason, but they weren't to direct your life. Emotions have their place, but you have to keep them in their place. When you let your emotions get into the driver's seat, you are going to crash. So they're about to make this emotional decision, emotional conversation. And I'm glad in this moment because David is very emotional. He's very depressed. He's very distressed. But he made the right decision. He decided to encourage himself in the Lord his God. So when you look at the word encourage, it means to build yourself up and strengthen yourself. And so this shows you a difference with some of the people in David's group and with David. David was operating from a place where he was keeping his emotions in check. He had emotions. He had feelings. David is not a robot. He's having the same emotions. He's weeping with these guys. He's having the same feelings. But he's operating what we know in the New Testament as meekness. Meekness is your emotions under control. In his devotional, Reverend Renner says it this way. The word meekness comes from a Greek word which depicts the attitude or demeanor of a person who is forbearing, patient, and slow to respond in anger, one who remains in control of himself in the face of insults or injuries. In the Greek language, the word conveys the idea of a high and noble ideal to be aspired to in one's life, 
Although an injurious, injurious situation may normally produce a rash or angry outburst, a meek person is controlled by kindness, gentleness, mildness, or even friendliness. The word meekness pictures a strong-willed person who has learned to submit his will to a higher authority. He isn't weak, he is controlled. He may in fact possess a strong will and a powerful character. He may be a person who has his own opinion, but this person has learned the secret of submitting to those who are over him. Thus he is one who knows how to bring his will under control. In rare instances, the word meekness was used to describe wild animals that had become tame because it correctly conveyed the idea of a wild, fierce will under control. So meekness, a fruit of the spirit, is having your emotions in check. David had emotions, but in this instance, he had enough to have it in check that he could make the decision to instead of fleeing for his life, instead of staying his feelings, he is going to make a decision to encourage himself in the Lord, to build himself up when he was feeling down. You must make a decision to build yourself up when you feel down. You cannot afford to stay in your feelings. You cannot afford to have all these pity parties. You can't afford it if you want restoration. If you really want what God has for you, you can't just stay down and cry and eat a half a gallon or a full gallon of ice cream and Uber eat some fried chicken in and have someone bring you some Taco Bell, whatever your comfort food is, and eat all this stuff. And then you watch all the sad movies on TV. And then you have your sad playlist in your phone, or you tell Alexa to play it for you, and you know, you're just feeding all your sad emotions. And it says, well, eventually I'll be able to you know, move on from this. You can't afford to do that. Not if you want what God has for you. Not if you want to receive the restoration God has for you. I'm not saying that you can't have feelings. I'm telling you to have feelings. Just don't let your feelings have you. So you must make a decision that if you want to experience restoration, get up. Instead of staying down in your feelings, get back up again. He said, well, life knocked me down. Get back up. Well, you don't understand what it did. You're still here. Get up. Don't allow it to keep you down. Make a decision. I am going to get up so I can receive what God has for me. So looking at verse 7, And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me here the ephod. And Abathar brought there the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? Now notice what David's doing. He's not making an emotional decision. In the midst of his emotions, let me go ask God what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Enemy number five, refusing to inquire of the Lord. Refusing to inquire of the Lord. Inquire just means to ask someone for information. A lot of us, we don't stop enough to ask God, well, what should I do about this? How should I handle this? Well, God, what do you think about this? What do you think about this situation? What should I do in this situation? David stopped enough to ask God about it. Now, this is not the only time he did it. You know, one of the things we see later on in his life. Again, same group of people, same area, and he asked, 
Should I go after them? And God says, yes, but don't do it the same way. Here's how I want you to do it. Sometimes we get in the same pattern of doing the same thing again and again and again and again and again and again. And we think, well, if God told me to do this last time, I don't have to change and keep doing it. And you wonder why it doesn't work. Some people have been doing the same thing for 40 years, and it worked for 30 years. But you're wondering, why it didn't work the last 10 years? Because you didn't ask him, should I keep doing it? So you go back to number one, you refuse to change. Because you refuse to inquire of the Lord. You must check in with the Holy Ghost. Okay, cool. You told me to do this 10 years ago. Is this still what you want me to do? Or even if I think I'm doing what you told me to do, have I gotten off somewhere? You know, if you ever, if a pilot is flying a plane, you know, just getting one degree off, you won't notice it immediately. But in a few hours, you could be on another continent. Just because one degree at one place causes you to go the other way. You have to make sure you're on the right path, and you don't do that by inquiring of the Lord. Keeping your emotions in check and asking the Lord, what should I do? And this is what David does. And the Lord responds, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. But David, you got to get up and David, you got to go. Right? He didn't say, well, just sit here. Because remember, they don't know fully who did it. They might have guesses, but they don't know who did it. They don't know where they went. But God is telling them, go. You'll catch them. Because you got to think, they have a head start. By the time they get there, they've already been gone. And however long they weeped and wailed, it's time that has passed. And however long it took for David to inquire of the Lord, time has passed. But God told David, if you get up and go, you'll catch them, and you'll recover all. So what you have to do is get the plan from the Holy Ghost. There is a plan for your restoration. There is a plan for you to receive all God has for you this year. But you must get that plan from the Holy Ghost. And what he tells you to do, you must do. When you talk about pursue, it doesn't mean to go after it a little bit. It goes after it with all your energy. Pursue, run after them. You'll catch them, and you'll get everything back. And so as we keep reading here, you might say, well, well, God talked to David because he was David. He was in the lineage of Jesus, and whatever excuses you think God would talk to David more than he would talk to you. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You can't say, well, I don't have the Spirit of God. That means you ain't saved. If you're saved, you got the Holy Ghost. If you have the Holy Ghost, that means God can lead you. James 1, 5 through 7 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That gives to all men liberally and upright if not. So you ask God for wisdom, he's not going to check you about it. And it shall be given him, for let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So you inquire of the Lord, ask God what to do, and in faith, take your answer. Well, God, this is what you tell me to do. I'm asking right now, so I believe I'm going to hear from you and receive exactly what I need to go for. And so after you do that, don't wait five minutes later. Well, God's not going to talk to me. 
You know, 10 years ago, I did this, and 15 years ago, I did this, and 20 years ago, when I was sitting in pre-K, I, I took Mary's Oreo, and then I spat on Johnny's shoe, and you no, know, God doesn't want to talk to me. And we have all these weird excuses why we can't receive from God. You think it's funny, but if you go home, if I followed you every single day of your life and heard your thoughts, y'all have some same crazy thoughts too. So whatever reason you have why you can't receive from God, you got to shake that loose and believe that God said what he said, and God will do what he said he would do. He says, if you ask in faith, he will give you wisdom. And he'll show you what to do and give you the plan and the pattern that you, so you can receive the restoration he has for you. So David and his men begin to pursue. And we know the story. We'll just jump down to Verse 16. And when they had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. So what they have is not just what David has. The enemy's camp has David's stuff, but the enemy's camp also has the Philistine stuff, and the enemy's camp also has the stuff of the people of Judah. And so they're celebrating because of all the stuff they got. They're eating, they're drinking, they're dancing. And David smote them from twilight, even unto the evening of the next day. Come on, he gets there, it's night. He starts kicking their tail all day long until the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which were smart enough to ride upon camels and get out of here. They're like, ooh, that is David. We're out. And David recovered all that the Malachites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken to, that had taken to them. David recovered all. This is restoration. Everything. Everything. Everything they got back. But they didn't just get back what was taken from them. Remember, there was stuff taken from the Philistines. Stuff taken from the children of Judah. So not only did God restore he gave them some on top of that. Because you go through the next verses, and it said, this belongs to David. This belongs to the people. They are now dividing spoils of things that they would have never seen. See, some of you get so upset that the enemy attacks you. Get a new perspective. I'm getting back what he took, plus some of his stuff. Stop whining that you've been hit. Start focusing your faith to get what's yours. Remember I told you a couple weeks ago, you are the captain of your inheritance. Get what belongs to you and what, came, what was stolen from those who came before you. Stop waiting on some government entity to give it back to you. Use your faith and get it yourself. This is the year of restoration. It's restoration for you. But enemy number six is refusing to get up and go. 
refusing to get up and go. You're not going to get restoration just by doing nothing. You must execute the plan the Holy Ghost has given you. There may be some changes you need to make in your life, and those changes will lead to the restoration. There's a process of transformation God has you on, and as you transform to who he's called you to be, the restoration will meet you. But you must do what God has told you to do. You must walk out the plan that God has for you if you expect to experience restoration. Because if God can cause David and those 600 to recover all, why can't he do it for you? But you must get up and go. You must pursue so that you can recover all. I've made up my mind, this is my year of restoration. I've made up my mind, this is the year of the restoration of Faith Christian Center. That's just what it's going to be. You know, this church has existed almost 27 years now. And so I can look back over the past 27 years, back to 1993. And anything that was taken from this church since 93, I'm setting my faith to get back through this year. Because this is the year of restoration. And I'm going for it. I was talking to a couple late fall or early winter, sometime at the end of last year, and they're saying, Pastor, we see something different on you. I said, yeah, I'm on fire. I'm going after what belongs to us. So we open up one in Marietta, then we open somewhere next. And again, and again, and again, and again, and again. It's restoration time. Jesus is coming, so we got work to do. And if we do restoration as an organization is concerned, you know there's restoration for us individuals and as families? That you got to stop giving excuses why you can't have something? why this can't work for you, that if God's going to do it for us on a corporate scale, he's going to do it for us as individuals, that you got to start thinking about stuff you didn't even know you lost. You just thought a part of life. You just need to get specific. Okay, what are some things I have lost? You know, what is some time I've lost? What is some money I've lost? You know, you might think, well, it's not that much. Well, think about those extra doctor bills you had because of the sickness, but you got healed of it. But think about what you paid for this and all the drama you went through for this. And you go through all these different things, and it adds up over a period of time. And then you remember what the Holy Ghost said, restoration. So you set your faith specifically. I want that back. I want that back. I want that back. You know, I was listening to this old Pentecostal song from the 90s, and it said, I went into the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. So you have to have enough faith to go after what God has told you to go after, and that you have the authority in the name of Jesus, and you take back from the devil what he took from you. You must get up and go. This is not the faith of whiny people. This is the faith of people who dare to look Satan in the eye and fight. I like what Mark Haken says. His spirit of faith will make you grab a cornstalk, swing over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. He said the spirit of faith will make a tadpole slap a whale. You have to have enough faith to go for the impossible. Enough faith where people think you have lost your mind. And he says, I have, I have the mind of Christ. 
You might say, well, it's not going to work for you. You know, there's always people, telling, always people telling other people that they can't do something while they do it. There's always people saying that's impossible while someone does the impossible. So everybody's going to tell you, you can't do it. It can't work for you, blah, 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 blah. Make up your mind, say, it's going to work for me. I'm going to be restored. I'm going to be transformed. It's impossible. Well, watch me, and you're going to see someone do the impossible. No, it can't happen for you. You don't know the right people. You're not old enough. You're too old. You're too this. You're too that. Well, watch an even bigger miracle. You might say, Pastor, all these things are stacked against me. Whoa, I guess it's a miracle. I guess we serve a miracle-working God. That it doesn't matter all the things of why you can't do something. If God said you can do it, if God said it is yours, if God said this is restoration, if God said this is transformation, if God said this is open doors, if God said it's dreams being coming to pass and dreams and visions being fulfilled, if God said it, then you better get up and get it. You have to go for it. Not just in January, when you still feel like it's a new year. You have to go for it all year. Just like so many of you did last year concerning harvest. Some of y'all still going at it, which you should. The testimonies that have come in. So you must go after restoration. You might say, well, I've gotten everything that I needed. Well, think about those who came before you. Well, you know, they missed out some stuff. So, you know, I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, I'll, take, I'll take that too. Set your faith. Go with, for what seems impossible. For with God, all things are possible to them that believe. So you need to believe. All things are possible to them that believe. You can recover all. And there may be some areas that says, well, there's no way you can recover, restore that because that doesn't exist anymore. Then God gives you something of the same quality or better. That's still restoration. You may not always know what it looks like or how it's going to happen. You don't have to. You just take God at his word and you do what he tells you to do. This is your year of restoration. But you must work your faith and you must execute the plan that the Holy Ghost has given you every single day. So while we're getting in faith together this Sunday and praying over plans and goals, so we took a couple weeks to pray to make sure we have the plan of the Holy Ghost. So now we get in faith together. We get in agreement together and we watch it come to pass. We had Miracle Day this past Sunday. And testimonies coming in of what God did. People being healed. People being healed before we could pray for them. People talking about reports of anxiety just leaving them suddenly. Mental heaviness that had been on them for years just gone. Just left them. Testimonies still coming in of people who were at the experience. And then Minister Kurt was telling a story of someone who was at the experience and they got prayed for. Minister Kurt, I prayed for Minister Kurt. Then Minister Kurt prayed for them. Then they went to another location and prayed for someone and they got healed. He's a miracle working God. 
So do not limit him. Do not stop what he can do because of your unbelief. Get into this word of restoration. Get into it again and again and again so that your faith grows. So that you can receive all God has for you. Amen? Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You are Jehovah Shalom. The God who gives us the peace that comes from being whole. And we're not whole until we've been restored. So you are the God of our restoration. You are the God of all grace. Causes all grace to abound towards us. So that we have all sufficiency in all things. And we abound to every good work. You are the God of our hope. Cause us to overflow all hope and joy into believing. We thank you for what you told us concerning this year of restoration. Grant us insight so that we can be specific where we need specific where our faith is concerned. Grant us the wisdom and the plan so that we may pursue, overtake, and recover and in the recovery of all, we even get more. We receive your direction, your instruction, your insight, because we inquire of you. And he said, if we ask for wisdom and we ask in faith, we will receive it. So we believe we receive. And we thank you. Just lift your hands for a few moments and pray in other tongues. Monda bakile de de mandrosta. Mongresh deva mangai de mangisto ramandera ma. Ora ma mandele la nandresho drabosa. Angoroso nana la mangi istora na manda. Mendre sura mangasho borabasa tapata. That there's a mandrosura mangare nana mande. Ovro shikande ingro obra mande. Dangro sitana na mange esto, zembrombo sonde benkishi la la manga ambo oso, mombra zita ya mango osi vremanda, mengo rababashi ya mangala de, oh na 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 mange bobo sonde imandi surama, oh rababashi kananda yanda, oh Minister Dathan, come here and sing Only Believe. All things are possible. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you. Only believe, only believe, all things are possible. Thanks for watching today. We hope today's message was a blessing to you that empowered you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. 
hey, if you want to be a part of what God's doing here at Faith, you know, our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. And we'd love for you to be a part. You can find out our different experience times and our different locations by going to FCCGA.com. If you want to give, you can text FCCGA to 73256. You can also go to FCCGA.com to give online and be a part of what God's doing here. We'd love to see you anytime you're in our area. We believe God has something good just for you. And anytime you come to our faith experience, we believe you will experience God and his plan for your life. So thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.